You're listening to TBD, a podcast for brilliant coaches, consultants, helpers, and healers creating their best work and their most meaningful contribution. I'm your host, Megan Hale, business strategist and thought partner to help you distill your wisdom into your most potent offers and the multiple six figures that go with it. I'll be the first to tell you though, as someone who's done it, this path is far from a straight line. There are highs, there are lows, and so many moments of uncertainty in between. But if there are two things I know to be true, it's you always know what you need to know when you need to know it. And the next right step is always on its way. Let's do this. Hello, hello, my friends, and welcome back to the show. So if you are on my email list, you know I did not release this episode last week as planned because Vegas was a little bit more jarring than I thought it was going to be. It brought up so many more questions than answers that I really just needed some time to sit and feel my feels. And although I recorded a version of this episode I'm releasing today, it didn't really feel like it was my best work. It felt like I was trying to get this out because I said that I would versus really creating my best content. So I decided to give myself a pass, let life be lifey, and really come back to the show this week with content that I know is really going to resonate. So just in case you ever get into this space with yourself where you're like, oh, I said I was going to do this thing and now I have to do it. And you're just kind of scrambling. Give yourself the permission to slide things to the right a little bit. I promise things will be okay. And I would much rather encourage you to really prioritize quality versus quantity. This decision has never led me astray in my business. So if you tuned into the last episode, you know that I was going out to Vegas to see if this could be a spot for me and my family to potentially live. And there are a lot of things that I loved about the area, especially the weather. And also if you are a foodie like I am, there are so many restaurants that you will never be able to eat your way through that town, which is a good thing. But it can also be an over overwhelming thing because I was like, wow, there's a lot here, not to mention all the shopping that is available too. So any store that you could ever imagine, I can promise you it is in Vegas. So it feels like there's a lot of things right at your fingertips, which I really, really loved. The thing that was a little challenging for me is that one, I am not used to the desert landscape. I am used to lush green scenery and to be around like the Red Rock Mountains, which I absolutely adore, by the way. It was kind of weird that I didn't feel as at home as I thought that I was going to. So I've still just kind of been sitting with that. Like, can I really see myself in the desert? The second thing is we were on Pacific Coast time and I felt like I was a really long way away from my people on the East Coast. So right now I'm in central time zone. So it's only one hour difference. When you go from one hour to three hours, I really, really felt that. So I was like, man, this is actually going to be a a pretty big shift to my work life if we moved out there to really account for all of my clients in different time zones not to mention just feeling like I'm really far away from my family, which I know that I could adjust to, but also in this season, having moved around so many times and having to adjust and all of those things, I'm like, I just don't know if that's what I want to do in this next season. So I've been sitting with all of those things. The one thing that I really, really, really appreciated about Vegas though, is that the culture feels very, very inclusive and welcoming. I have lived in the South most of my life. And as a white woman, there's always this feeling of like this undercurrent of systemic racism that you're very aware of, homophobia, xenophobia, 
Like a lot of that is very prevalent down in the South. When I was out in Vegas, I don't want to say that those things don't exist there. I'm sure that they do, but I did not feel them nearly as intensely as I'm used to from some of the other places that I've lived in this country. So the idea of raising my kids in a culture like that is very, very appealing to me. So Vegas is still on the table, but it was not that like soul level resonance, like that deep exhale of like, ah, I'm home feeling that I was really after. So I am going to go out there one more time just to kind of see how I feel, maybe take my sister or a good girlfriend of mine. And like, let's just go play in Vegas and see how we feel from that angle. So I'm still exploring it, but I did come home with a lot more questions than I did answers. So we will see where we end up, my friends. We have probably until the end of the year to really decide where we're going. And it's still such an unsettling feeling of like, where are we living next year? Like, what is life going to look like after the military? It's something that we've been looking forward to for so long. But I also think that we're so used to the military just telling us where we're going to live that we haven't had that responsibility in a very long time or that agency. And so I think we're both balancing of like, gosh, we could go anywhere. And that in and of itself is kind of like, so many options. So I know that we will get there, but it's definitely going to take a little bit longer than I anticipated TBD, right? So other than that, it is full on summer at my house. The kids are out of school. We are heading to Charleston, South Carolina to see my family for the first half of July. And I have cleared my calendar for these next two weeks. I have like maybe three one-on-one client calls and that is it. So I can really be present and soak up some summer memories with my babies and with my mom and dad and sister. So I am so excited for that spaciousness. And I love me a good summer slowdown, which is actually very related to our topic for today. So on today's episode, I am taking you behind the scenes of my decision to descale my business in this season, especially why I'm doing it, what it looks like, how it's doubling my monthly recurring revenue from Q1 and then some, plus one of the trade-offs I'm making to shift into this less scaled model. And this is a big one. And one of the gains I'm focused on this shift generating too. So let's go ahead and dive in. So where I want to start is so much of what we hear in the online space is to scale, 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 which is really just another way of saying more, more, more growth, 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 right? And one, I think that this sets us up for a very unrealistic trajectory for any small business owner, because we are going to have higher revenue months, we're going to have lower revenue months, higher revenue years, lower revenue years. And I would say that this is 100% normal for most businesses. If you look at any organization, you will notice that they have higher quarters, lower quarters, like higher profit margins, lower profit margins, right? Like business is cyclical that way. But two, I think that this also sets us up to feel that we're not being quote successful, which is is, oh, such a gray word, by the way, when we don't want to pursue more and more and more growth, 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 as if it's somehow a lesser choice. But what I think this is really about is the pushback we might get from either ourselves or others that we're opting out of the macro culture. And anytime you opt out of something, you are braving the wilderness, as Brene Brown says, right? And you might feel like you're the only one, which of course requires all the more courage to march your own way. And so that's kind of where I've been over here is really feeling like one, I've been on a high speed train for a solid couple of years and two, really wanting to tend to my nervous system for everything that I have going on in my business right now, which is mostly like making sure I'm building up the capacity to launch a brand new app, which is like a whole new world to me, right? Not to mention like everything these past couple of years have asked of me, especially like the leadership required of leading a team, delegation, leading a community, and also creating a very 
robust curriculum. Like the growth has been exhilarating, but it's also been a lot. And my nervous system has been doing a lot of heavy lifting, mostly integrating, which is a lot of internal work on its own. And when I came out on the other side a couple of months ago, when it would have been like the right time and air quotes, right, to scale, I just didn't want to. I actually wanted to take a beat and chill a bit before I said yes to more. And so my nervous system was finally getting to this place of safety. And the last thing that I wanted to do was to re-agitate it by really striving for more growth. And that's been one of the biggest decisions to descale for a bit so I can give myself that. And part of that is I've really been pulling back the layers of why my nervous system felt so overtaxed with a more scaled business model over the past couple of years. And I am really going to be taking you into like the depths of my own mind and dynamics in this episode for better or worse. But I've really identified a few things that were really causing this overtaxed feeling. The first is I really wasn't ready for the shift in intimacy a more scaled business model would create. So I am used to being very up close and personal with my clients' businesses so I can hear the nuance that they are moving through and supporting them through it. I'm also used to much smaller groups of about 20 people. And so when I went from 20 to 50, I was not prepared for how much that would shift the dynamics of that space. And the other thing is that I was slowly shifting from a coaching model to a curriculum model. And I have all the ahas now be on the other side for how this is going to shift the way your delivery feels. So let's dive into each one. One of these. So first, up until this scaled program, I was really used to my programs leaning mostly on coaching, then on curriculum to create results. And this was the first time I was completely shifting that to lean more on curriculum and then on coaching. What this ended up feeling like for me on the back end is feeling more disconnected from my clients than I was used to. I was so used to having a good finger on the pulse with where they were and the nuance they were moving through. And with this new model, I was noticing gaps in that clarity for myself, which created some anxiety. Are they getting what they need? Are they applying the curriculum? Okay. Right. And I've never been someone who's just like, yeah, sign up, give me money. I don't care if you get the results or not. Right. So looking back with a more curriculum based model, what I wish I would have done is integrated more feedback loops in different ways, like quizzes after certain pieces of the curriculum or sending out feedback forms more periodically instead of just leaning on our coaching calls to give me that clarity. And also being on the other side. Now, one shift that I know that I would have done differently is that I would have stayed consistent with the number of people I'm used to holding space for first and shifting into this curriculum first coaching second model to really get a feel for how that is on the back end versus increasing capacity while also shifting to the curriculum first model. I think doing both at the same time was kind of a whirlwind of like, whoa, why am I feeling the way that I am? What needs to shift with the delivery for this to feel more how I want it to feel? Like what is going on? Is everything okay? And I think doing that at scale with 50 people versus 20 is it's just a different ballgame, right? So looking back, that is the decision that I would have made. And that's also wisdom that I'm bringing to my clients as well as they are thinking about scaling of really thinking, okay, let's look at the capacity, what truly feels comfortable for you as you're making this other shift. And then your next time around, when you have this curriculum first coaching second model, then let's step into scaling your capacity. The second is I unintentionally scheduled myself out of my own program, which is a key mistake. A lot of business owners make when they get to that 250 K revenue mark, they try and remove themselves from their businesses too quickly because we hear all the time that in order to scale, we need to get ourselves out of our businesses, right? Like remove ourselves from delivery. 
which was so not the right choice for me and how I like to work looking back, but you live and you learn. I had originally only scheduled one call a month in my program, and I ended up adding another call. So I was meeting with my clients bi-weekly to create more touch points, which greatly shifted the connection that I was feeling. The third is something I'm still working through, which is being invested in my client's success. This has been such a fine edge that I've had to find for myself this past year, because although it's a great thing to want your clients to be successful, there's also a blurry line that can show up that makes their success more about you than them. And this is a sneaky one, because if you're taking responsibility for a client being successful, you're also taking responsibility for a client not being successful. And the reality is every single one of our clients is going to be on their own path, on their own timeline, learning their own unique lessons, right? And their success is so much more nuanced than getting the promised results in your program. There have been so many times I have not achieved the core focus of programs I've signed up for. I haven't gained the result, but I've ended up walking away with so much more that has continued to serve me for years and years and years. And so it's so important to trust that your people are going to get exactly what they need, whether that be seeds that they are planting for the future that will radically shift their trajectory or meaningful leaps that bring abundance that they have literally been working on for years. You just happen to be walking alongside them at the right time for them to have the right foundation to step into it. And the last thing that I was not prepared for was the energetic pool of needing to be in curriculum design while also being responsible for creating and cultivating community. And I simply could not do both at the same time. And so there was a constant guilt on my shoulders that I was not more present in our Facebook group because I just did not have the juice. I have always seen myself as a community builder and connection is a core value of mine. And I did not realize just how much this mattered to me until I wasn't able to embody that value to the extent that I am used to. I have always been big on creating inclusive, welcoming, vulnerable spaces by also being the one who takes the first step, if you will, right? And sharing my own truth, sharing my own vulnerabilities to create that sense of safety. But I did not have it in me to create both community at that level while also pouring so much of my heart and soul into the curriculum I was building. And so in order to cope with this, I made an agreement with myself that our connection would happen on our live calls, not in our private Facebook group, which was great for those who could attend our calls, but not as much for those who couldn't, which would not feel inclusive for me and not weighed on me quite a bit. And anytime that we are in misalignment with a value, like even if we are like simply doing our best, right? That eventually becomes heavy over time. So my nervous system was under that heaviness of being misaligned to this value and really not being able to do much about it because I did not have the juice while also processing that disconnection that I was feeling as I was shifting from that coaching model to the curriculum model. And I think the other thing that I've been thinking about is that there is a lot of noise in the online space about creating curriculum so your clients don't need any one-on-one touch points. And I don't think that that's the right direction that we need to be moving. In fact, I think we need to be really intentional with baking intentional touch points into our program design. Because whether you're supporting a client on business or their personal life, there is always nuance that needs to be witnessed, that needs to be heard, and that might need a slightly different approach than even the best curriculum can provide. So although I am super proud of the curriculum that I have created, I have watched it get results without me needing to be there nearly as much as I am used to, which is a huge, huge win for any business owner. My goal is not to replace me and the way that I can show up for a client with a 
training. And I think that's something I've really had to get honest with myself about because that's not the way that I want to design my business. So after pulling back and kind of re-examining, like why was my nervous system so activated? What was out of alignment there for me? I have a lot more clarity on some things that are seemingly best practices, but were not the best practices for me and how I like to run my business. So all of these things I'm still reflecting on for the future when I do step back into a more scaled business model. But for now, when I think of like the easiest, lightest lift, I think about my one-on-one clients and getting to show up to our calls and dance with the what's in the room with the added benefit now of having a rich and robust library of trainings that I can pull at a whim to deepen whatever it is that we're working on. I also think about these small six-month cohorts that I've been rolling for that allow me to build intimacy and connection much like I'm used to as they work through curriculum, leaning more so on my trainings and then on coaching. So I can get a deeper feel for how this feels for me at a much smaller scale and also noticing where those one-on-one touch points are really, really needed. So the biggest shift I'm working on making these next six months is realizing a scaled program will not feel the same as a very intimate container. And that's neither good nor bad, simply different. I may not have the same level of connection with everyone either. And that's also not good or bad, simply different. And one thing I know to be true, having led a much more scaled program at this point, is that some people are going to sign up because of your curriculum and not the coaching, while others are going to do the exact opposite. And I think I'm just getting used to not being needed as much as I've transitioned so much of my wisdom that used to be available only through life coaching to have actually done the work to build high level curriculum that gets results on its own. And it's just a weird shift for me that I was not expecting to have the impact that it did. So I'm leaning into normalizing this new business model, but more slowly this time and more gradually, which is exactly what these small groups are allowing me to do. So that's an almost inclusive look as to why I've chosen to descale as well as the fact that I'm launching an app soon. And I want my nervous system to be super grounded to support that. If I can lessen the strain on my nervous system in this arm of my business, I'm opening up much more capacity to stretch myself into app development, which is really going to be like a whole new world. So what descaling my business looks like on the back end is choosing to take on more one-on-one clients and continuing to enroll my six-month small cohorts. And so over the past two months, I have gone from having very few calls on my calendar, just leading my high-level mastermind, to having more calls on my calendar, which has honestly been an adjustment. I'm used to having plenty of white space for content creation. And for the past couple of months, I've been like, why do I feel so busy? (laughs) It's been because I've been trying to create content at the same level I'm used to when I literally do not have as much time as I am used to. So I have decided to hire support with content creation, like emails and social media, which I am so excited about. And so if you are considering descaling your business, the one thing that I will share is be aware that you are going to have a fuller calendar. And that's going to be an intentional trade-off if you decide to move in this direction. Okay. The second is descaling your business does not have to mean a decrease in revenue. I had the lowest revenue months in Q1 that I've had in a long damn time as I was on the tail end of a lot of integration and then found out I was going to have to go through a complete rebrand. And my little entrepreneur heart was like, oh my God, I just can't. And so I stopped selling while contracts were also ending and my revenue took an almost 50% dip. Okay. Which although was not ideal, I was also prepared to handle because profit first, y'all. I always have money stacked in the bank to cover dips, whether those are chosen or not, okay? So if you have not integrated profit first into your business, please take the time to do this. It will save you in some of these lower revenue months, okay? 
So thankfully I pulled myself out of the, I just can't space and doubled revenue in April, which thank goodness. Okay. And I also dove back into my profit planning tool, formerly known as the money map, because we are rebranding that baby too. Okay. And really looked at the future of the app coming out and how much I needed to be making to feel deeply supported. So I could truly focus my attention there. And what I landed on are consistent 30 K months for the rest of the year, which I am anticipating locking in as soon as this month, which is Ah, so unbelievably amazing. So those 30K months allow me to pay off some investments I've made for this year while also paying myself 10K a month as we prepare for our transition after the military because this housing market is crazy, y'all. And I wanna have a nice nest egg saved up for us. So no matter where we go, there is going to be a house that we love that we can also afford. And I am pursuing these 30K months with a really simple business model by simply supporting a few more one-on-one clients and continuing to enroll for these small six-month cohorts that I am loving so much. So all to say, I am really feeling this descaled model right now that feels so good for my nervous system, my bank account, and the foundation I am building for the future. And it's opening up a lot more mental capacity too, which is exactly what I'm wanting. And I'm sure by the end of the year, I'm going to be ready to go bigger or maybe not like TBD, my friends. Okay. But what I do know is it feels really good to opt out of the more and more and more scale, scale, scale for the moment and opt back into more of the right things for me in this season. Like it is always 100% the right move. So if you love this episode, I would love for you to share it. And if you have been needing permission to scale back, go smaller, go more intimate, I hope this offers you just what you need to choose you. We always get to define what success looks like for us, which in my opinion should always include what feels good, even though we're going to have those growth edges, right? Sometimes we get what we thought we wanted and realize it wasn't what we wanted, or we're going to need some time helping it feel the way that we want it to feel. And it's okay to take a step back do some restructuring in the meantime and reflect some more before you try again. Don't let the more, more, more override your nervous system. You get to choose always. All right. So until next time, my friends, here's to the courage to keep showing up. Even when clarity is still forming, trusting, knowing, believing the next right step is always on its way. See you soon. Mm -hmm.